Welcome to After Hours, conversations for music educators, presented by Amro Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. In this episode, Nick Averwater checks in with Cheryl Lockett from Cannonball Musical Instruments. Cannonball is celebrating its 25th anniversary, and we'll learn more about the company's history and find out about some of the techniques they use that make their instruments unique. Hello, everyone, and welcome to After Hours Conversations for Music Educators. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with the CEO of Cannonball Musical Instruments and co-founder, Miss Cheryl Lockett. Cheryl, welcome to After Hours. Good to see you. Oh, thank you so much. It's really nice to be here. Hello to everyone who's listening. Thank you. We really appreciate it. So we are in sunny Nashville, Tennessee right now for the Summer NAMM show. And uh, we're just hearing about what's going on in the world of Cannonball. And before we get going on to what's present right now, I really want to talk about the past because um, y'all have such a unique story that I don't think a lot of people know, and it starts with you as an educator. And so do you mind if we talk a little bit about what brought you to where you are today? Yes, I was an educator. I taught junior high band, and I loved it. I loved teaching. I loved seeing the students um, in their excitement and taking them where they were and teaching them and having them, you know, have a new plateau, uh, a new place to go and, and just seeing their excitement. I I loved that about teaching just the kids um, getting better and better and having the musical experience. It was great. But before that, if we can go back even further, I played on a saxophone in junior high that had formerly belonged to my brother. And by the way, my mom plays saxophone. She still plays uh, occasionally. She's 88, and uh, she still has a saxophone and plays once in a while. But back to the story, when I was playing in junior high, I played on a saxophone that when you put all the fingers down in the octave key, it's a D, right? And the D was at least one quarter tone sharp, maybe even a little bit more than that. And then the open C sharp was at least one quarter tone flat. So I knew how to lip down the D, but I didn't know how to get up the the C sharp up to pitch. So once I was in this band, the Northern Utah um, Honor Band, and we went to Europe, and the director was Greg Hansen, who's pretty famous director in in Utah, and then he moved to to Arizona. What a wonderful director. But he looked right at me and he said, if you have a C-sharp longer than an eighth note, just don't play. Wow. So I'd be playing this run, you know, and I'd have to skip the C-sharp. And so that let me realize that, uh, well, when when I got to college, I finally realized how I could open some keys and uh, bring that C-sharp up to pitch. But it made me realize how important having a good horn for a student is. Um, you know, it, it really plays on their success. That was hard for me to ha- hear that from a director. Don't play that note because you're so badly out of tune. Um, and, it, and a lot of kids maybe would have quit, you know, on a poor horn. But I, I was really happy to, in my later years, with my husband Tevis, we were able to... Uh, create and learn so much about the saxophone. That's where it started. And then um, it's all these, um, uh, where the two, where the notes lie and the, the, the overtones and everything on the tube of the instrument. So it could, it could be saxophone, flute, clarinet. We've learned that with um, 
and it's made a huge difference. We're so excited that we learned how to make the saxophone and other instruments really play their best. Like we're really passionate about that, and especially me because I don't want a, a student to have to go through what I went through. So one day we had a saxophone that really didn't play very well, and we were in our kitchen, and we started just... Um, changing it. Uh, we, we did some different things to it to make it play better. And we were just out on a limb and started doing some scraping here and there and changing um, what we found was the airflow. The airflow flow as it goes along will change and a little bit will make a big difference on pitch and timbre. Before you know it, we were we were so excited because we found out some things that would really help. Now, uh, warning to all of you out there, you can easily ruin a saxophone or any instrument by doing this on your own. It's like, don't do this at home, right? So, I mean, were you literally sitting there, like, scraping out metal yeah. of the saxophone in various parts of the body? Yes, that's what neck? we did. Uh-huh. That's what we did, and um, I have a pretty good ear, and so Tevis would play. And I'd turn my back, and he'd play his really great uh, vintage saxophone, and and then he'd play this very inexpensive saxophone. And before long, we couldn't—I couldn't tell the difference. And I have a very good ear, so uh, it—that it, was the beginning of what we put into our instruments. So we start with a good instrument, and then we can build into it its personality. Say. And like I said, the timbre and the pitch, the vibrancy, um, this is very exciting. And uh, everybody who works on these horns at Cannibal, it has that same passion. It has that, they, they are very good players and they know what to do. And, uh, you know, when we are able to send these horns out and we hear back from people, I just love this. This is a, this is a great way to play this new piece I have in band, or this is a great way to play in my garage band, or this is, you know, made the hugest difference in our life. This makes me want to go to band every day. I'm so excited about this. It makes our day. That's why we do this, and it's just the happiest day when we are able to hear stories about you out there and your students. I love that. I mean, and, and today, even to this day, you are still based here in the United States. Yes. And you've got these craftsmen in mm -hmm. Salt Lake City, Utah. Tell me about some of the things that are going on in Salt Lake and what you're doing there at your facility. Well, let's talk about, maybe for a minute we can talk about stones. Um, we are unique in that some of our professional instruments, well, all of our professional instruments have stones in them. When we were first starting, uh, people would write to me on the email and they would say, hey, why do you put plastic finger buttons on your most beautiful horn. Why do you do that? And I'd say, no, 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 they're, they're not plastic. They're, they're mother of pearl. If you were to take it off, you would see the back of the, the, the mother of pearl, and you would see that that is a fish animal right there. Yeah. Um, and it's, I just said, you know, I think we want to do something different. So I said, let's try semi-precious stones. Nobody had ever done that. Let's try it. So we, we gave it a try, and we were shocked to find the result. This was an accidental finding because we did it for the looks, uh, just to be different. And it ended up being 
uh, something that uh, Tevis called me on the phone because I happened to leave for a few minutes. He called. He said, we put the first group of stones in and you'll never believe it. And I said, it changed the sound, right? He said, yeah. It changed the pitch. It changed the sound. It makes it more vibrant because they are more dense. The, 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 the stones are usually are about a rock hardness of six. And when they do that, it just changes the way that the sound waves go back and forth on the body of the horn. So that's one thing. And we do have a patent on that, a utility patent. And it, it was just years of testing and proving. And uh, we're so excited we have that. So we use these beautiful uh, semi-precious stones. So that's one thing that goes on. And we, we have the stones. Most of them are made, actually mined, rather. <laughs> I didn't make them, but we mined. Uh, we work with our miners. And uh, they're, they're mined in Utah, Nevada, uh, Oregon. Now, some of them, we, we just got a brand new one that comes from Australia. It's called Snakeskin Jasper, and it's red-ish. It's reddish, white, and brown. It's beautiful. And we put that on our new 25th anniversary horn. Actually, this is 25 years for us. It's, it, Congratulations. Yay! Congratulations. So, yeah, we've worked hard, and uh, it's, we're excited that we made it 25 years. So that, that, that goes on that, that 25th anniversary model. Um, while we're here, should I just talk about the 25th anniversary model? I would model? love to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the 25th anniversary model, we decided to have nickel silver because usually saxophones are made of brass. And uh, we decided to put a nickel silver neck and a nickel silver bow and a bell. And it's just, it's a magical, easy, it's that people say, oh, it's so easy to play. And they love that. And it changes the sound. So, it, and the feel of it, it feels just it's just very easy to get a nice tone. Um, the other thing that we have is uh, titanium neck screws and uh, lyre screws, and that actually makes a, a difference as well. And then we put the uh, snakeskin jasper, as I said. Um, so it's a wonderful instrument. I hope you get a chance to, to try it if you're interested. Yeah, one of the things I love so much about just, I'm not a saxophone player, but just seeing the instruments, as you can tell that, that for you all, it's a lot more than just producing this beautiful instrument in terms of how it plays. Yeah. I mean, you want a piece of art yeah. for that musician and something that reflects the personality. And you can see that through the stones and the hand engraving and the different color combinations. And not only can you find the variations of sound that you're looking for, or the variations you're looking for in terms of sound, but also in terms of the look, if you right. want something that's unique to that player. And they're just, I mean, you just can't help but see one of those saxophones and just smile and grin yeah. and think, that just sounds as beautiful as it looks. Oh, thank you so much. They're true art. You know, it is art. I mean, it, music is art, and art is beautiful. And we wanted our, our saxophones and all of our instruments to be a piece of art. So they play. The number one thing is how do they how do they sound? How do they feel? How do they play? Are they going to help the the um, the students, the players be successful? Are they going to make them happy that they don't have to fight an instrument, that they can actually make music while they don't even have to think about it? That's the number one thing. But the second thing is, why not have some fun with it? Why not make it be, you know, unique and beautiful? And we do that with the finishes and the engraving and the stones and 
we have all kinds of other things too that make it very special. Yeah, they're fabulous. I want to talk a little bit about the engraving okay. because that's something that you all take so much pride in. Yes. Now I've seen engraving machines at other factories yeah. where they're basically a big CNC that's rotating mm-hmm. the, the instrument around, but you all hand engrave yes. these instruments. I mean, how do you hand engrave a saxophone? Well, that is a good question. It's the same question that we asked many years ago. I said, you know, the older horns were all hand engraved, and this is becoming a very, it's a lost art. Let's figure out how to do it. So my son, Ryan, and one of our employees, Kelly, we said, just start see what you can find and there was nothing that we could find yeah, you can't google how to no. engrave a saxophone <laughs> well you might you might be able to now i don't know but you couldn't back then when yeah. we started and so um w- they just started experimenting they got some tools and just based on some old pictures they found these tools and they just started experimenting and then we learned as we went and eventually we had a renowned engraver we flew her out to our engraving team which we have seven i believe at the moment seven engravers and uh, she taught us some old world skills and um, the techniques just started flowing. And so all of these engravers were just so excited because they learned new things. And then since then, they've also uh, been able to, well, the, the tools that they have were increased. We, we learned that there were more tools. Right. And the tools in their mind were increased because this also gave them uh, new ideas. And they've, they've come up with even more and unusual things that only Cannonball does that I've never seen done anywhere else. So. Yeah. They're truly beautiful, and if, if for any of our listeners that you just get on the Cannonball website yeah. and see, or, or come into your local Cannonball dealer, wherever the nearest one may be, and just see these true works of art, because you know it, it's more than just a flower. I mean, it is the right. flowering vine that wraps around the instrument, or it's this dragon, or it's just yeah. it's an entire art scene mm-hmm. that encompasses the instrument, mm-hmm. and they're just truly, truly beautiful. Yeah. And again, all of this taking place right here in the United States, which is also a little unique in our industry now. So what's going on at Cannonball right now that that you're most excited about that you want to share with music educators? Well, the the one thing that we haven't mentioned, so if I could talk about two things, that would be great. The one thing we haven't mentioned is um, on our Big Bell Stone Series saxophone, it comes with, well, this will be three things real fast. Three things. Yeah. Um, one of the things we created was we wanted to have the best uh, sound possible, like I said. So we decided we'd experiment with some different bell sizes. And we actually came up with the three where Tevis actually hand-pounded them and soldered them together. And then we'd, you know, solder them on a temporarily put them on a a saxophone body and then listen as he played I'd listen and I'd say okay that one is the best and the reason is because the timbre is most even and so we chose a certain sound and that big bell really does give a nice big warm sound and it's a very modern sound it's just so fun to play in a in a big band or in I actually I'm a classical player and so I can play that you know classically as well it's just a nice big warm sound Um, so the the other thing that I was going to tell you about is in some of our models we have something called a fat neck is and the sound is fat it's not that the size is fat the size is exactly the same size but we put the octave pip on the bottom of the the neck 
rather, so it's the underside of the neck rather than the, the top side. And what that does is create less um, resistance as you're playing. It, it's just easier to uh, play and it, it enhances the low notes of the of the sound and takes away some of those highs. So, and it's a little bit less resistant, as I said, and so it's it's just a nice, big, warm sound compared to our original neck, which is a more traditional sound. And people like both of them. I like both of them, too. So that's one thing. And then what are we most excited about what we're creating? We've been working for about nine and a half years on a concert saxophone that will be something that uh, maybe a classical player, although any player would, would like it, um, would, who is the most picky player about how things work and the alternate keys and the uh, chromatic scales to be able to play evenly and have that tone be nice when you go up high. Everything is even. It's, uh, it's, it's something we've been working on and we're so picky about it that it's taken us this long and we're almost done <laughs> we're, we're on the last stretch so that'll be our new a7 that'll be coming out i'm i'm hoping sometime next year but we'll see that's fabulous well for educators that want to follow what you're working on right now learn more about cannonball where can they do that and where can they go check out and experience a cannonball in their local area um, okay, so the, we have a really nice and extensive, beautiful website, cannonballmusic.com. And we also uh, are very active on Instagram and on Facebook. So you can see the latest things that we're doing on Facebook and Instagram. Plus, we have a YouTube account. It's uh, Cannonball Music. And we have a lot of educational videos on there, as well as um, some recordings. Our employees are really talented, and we often record them. We have something called the Cannonball Band, and that features uh, Tevis and s several of our employees. Plus, we'll often have um, featured guests. Some of our endorsers or something will come. And there's just mounds of, of videos that you can watch on YouTube that would be helpful. The best way you can find your Cannonball dealer is to, uh, to go to find a dealer email find a dealer at cannonballmusic.com and we'll tell you who who around you will sell cannonball we we think the best thing to do is to go into their store it's like the old-fashioned way of of being able to sit down and try things and have somebody who knows what they're doing and is expert on our horn to be able to help you and uh, to bring you different things different finishes to try and to let you actually experience that that is such a fun thing to be able to sit down and try some different horns. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, we have so long enjoyed our, our partnership and our relationship with Cannonball. Oh, and yeah. Having these Love wonderful instruments at AMRO Music. So Thank you. if you're a listener and you're in the AMRO service area, please feel free to stop by the store. If you're outside of the service area, you can reach out to Cannonball and find your local dealer and go check them out. They're just wonderful, beautiful instruments. Thank you, and uh, we are just so happy to have our partnership with AMRO. We couldn't be more happy. It is such a wonderful store, and uh, they value the right things. They value the right things, and I can't say enough good things about Nick and about their whole staff. It's just fantastic, so please do stop by and give them a try.
Thank you so much, Cheryl. And the best wishes, congratulations on 25 years. Thank here you. is a family-owned company based in Salt Lake City, Utah. And here's to another 25 more and beyond. <laughs> yes, so. thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that so much. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks. That's Cheryl Lockett, CEO and co-founder of Cannonball Musical Instruments, talking with Nick Averwater at Summer NAM in Nashville. After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators is presented by Amro Music. This podcast features conversations with music educators who are finding innovative ways to teach their students and is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. You can hear and see more conversations at amromusic.com slash afterhours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.